classical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to the patron feedback show on the Saturday Night Network for week number five, recapping the Amy Schumer and Steve Lacey episode of Saturday Night Live and looking forward to the Dave Chappelle episode of Saturday Night Live, Black Star. Uh, I don't know how to say that yet, but we're certainly going to talk about it today as we go through all of your questions from the week. It was an awesome week with a really lively hot take show on Saturday night. The roundtable, I've gotten some really great feedback about, no pun intended, so just really appreciate all of the people who came to let me know how much they love that roundtable, and the panelists appreciated that as well. And last night, awesome by the number show by Nicole, Mike, and Eric. But Tonight, we are live with one of our new patrons who has never been on a podcast with me. And this is always really fun to get to talk to somebody new. It is Fred. So Fred, how are you? Good. Great. Happy to be here. This is my first podcast ever, not just here. So definitely an experience. Okay, well, this will be very fun. It's just going to be a nice conversation between you and I today where we're going to answer people's questions about this past week of the show and then talk about what's coming up, which we'll we'll do a little bit on. And of course, I know, you know, on Monday during the roundtable at the end of it, we had like a really good like 10 to 12 minutes on the Dave Chappelle, you know, choice you know, for the booking. And we'll probably do that again more on the roundtable coming up next week. So we'll try and not like make this whole thing uh, about the choice to, you know, Dave, but we'll discuss that certainly with some of the questions today. But Fred, I got to know. Okay, so first time on the podcast, how did yeah. you get into Saturday Night Live? Yeah, so actually, so I'd say back when I was in middle school, high school, and those were basically the like George Bush, Will Ferrell days. And like, I would stay up on Saturday night with my older sister, didn't really have much to do. Back then, it was definitely like, very edgy and different SNL, like especially when you're younger. Like uh, my parents are international, so they don't really care about like censorship or like staying up late. So it was basically like something to do on a Saturday night. And then like when I was in college, it was a little bit harder to keep track of. I think those are the days that you love and I love the most as well, like Will Forte and Bill Hader. But thank God for YouTube. And then basically during the pandemic, I started catching up on SNL again and getting like really diving deep into it. And that's how I came across your podcast. Yeah, well, that's really great. And it's a very similar story to a lot of people who have been listening and in our in our community. So appreciate getting to talk to you, Fred. And uh, of course, uh, I'd love to get a little bit of I think last night, they they called it a temperature check on the by the number show. They called it I think, uh, Eric coined it thermostats, if I remember correctly. Yes, which is a great pun. So what, what's your temperature check? How are you feeling about season 48 so far? So I actually like it a lot. Okay. I don't know if I'm in the minority or majority, but like, I, you know, I feel like there's like a lot of mixed opinions on it. I actually love the fact that like the cast is a bit smaller. I like like the new blood. I feel like it does feel like a different season. I feel like last year and the past couple of years, people complained that like the cast was too bloated and there, there, there are too many people that have been around for too long. And it's funny that now that that's like shifted pretty significantly, people still now are complaining about like, like the other side of that coin. I personally think it does feel like kind of a new season and like a new tone. So that to me is pretty exciting. And I don't know like why, but there's like, I also like the fact that it seems like it's more of an ensemble. It seems like everyone's getting a bit more, even a little bit of screen time. Like it just feels a bit more like a team and like maybe a bit more of a camaraderie. That could just be like a numbers thing, right? Like when, when you have a huge cast, not everyone can be on, but 
it just it just feels more fun to me. I know that doesn't directly affect content or laughs, but something about that sits well with me. Yeah, I think it's a great point because we're so in it and invested and in breaking down every single sketch and what it all means and why did the writers do this and then we talk about the statistics it's like we will beat down the episode as much as we possibly can which is really fun but at the same time it's not always exactly the way that it was intended to be watched and i think that there's a lot of people who watch it for the fun of it and i would say that we've had a couple episodes this season that have been extremely fun I don't like others that I think I've been like, okay. And I think that maybe where I'm at, at least, you know, I think it's, if we're five episodes in 21 episodes in the season. So 16 to go, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season. So I think we could sort of get a gauge of what we're seeing. I think so far I would describe the first quarter of the season as extremely inconsistent. And that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing because I think there's a lot of like good elements that I would hope they would infuse in the second quarter and the third quarter of the season. But I would say as far as first quarters go, you know, for comparing to other seasons and other years, I think that this one is a little bit more inconsistent than I've seen, especially compared to 47. And I think, you know, 48 has the potential to be a better season than last year. But as far as 47 was concerned, we started off with probably two mediocre to okay episodes. And then we had episodes three, four, and five last year, which were uh, Rami Malek, Jason Sudeikis, and Kieran Culkin. So if I go back to a year ago at this time, uh, people were so high. I think I was talking about like best season in the last five years. So like, it's an interesting thing to go one year later. And it's uh, to me, it's like probably a drop down, but I still see things in the season that I think could be really, really good, Fred. Yeah. So I, that's true. Like, I guess year over year, if we're talking about the first five episodes, but I, I remember like listening to your podcast last year too, and everyone was very high on it. But then I, I do recall that eventually that high does kind of dip. So I wonder like if this is going to be a steady, a more steady build compared to last year. I feel like there was a point last year and I, I just can't recall when where like there was a bit of like a like it was going so well, especially with like yeah, Rami Malik and Sudeikis. And then was there a bit of a dip or like like a general consensus around that? So I think it was like episodes three, four, and five of this is how good my memory is. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. So yeah. episodes three, four, and five last year were I think the best three episode run we've had in probably at least since 2016. And mm-hmm. then uh, episode six was Jonathan Majors, and that was the Taylor Swift episode, basically, where she did the 10 minute right. performance, and that sort of like yeah. put a halt to things. Billie Eilish was basically the Kate episode. Then we had Paul Rudd's episode, which was the COVID episode. Yeah. So it really, there was like a lack of momentum, I think. And then, like, Ariana DeBose was, you know, hit or miss. Forte was a very weird episode. Defoe was okay. And then I really think it wasn't until Mulaney where we actually started to like kick back things. Okay. So, yeah, that was sort of like my my brain of like how I remember the season. It was just started really, really high, then went like down and down and down and then sort of kicked back up in the spring a little bit. Now for me, for this season, I just see it as like episode one. Okay. Episode two, really good. Episode three. Okay. Episode four, really good. Episode five. Okay. So like, I'm, I'm like living the ups and downs of every single episode this season. Yeah. I mean, I agree with your ups and downs, except I really like this episode as well. So okay. like it was tell, like tell up last week. I just, um, so I think I'm a sucker for like, I think like what people call like slice of life um, sketches. I think there was a lot of that. Like a lot of things are kind of relatable. Like nothing was too crazy or over the top, like too kooky. Like, you know, there wasn't a Keenan trying to spot a deer or anything like that. Like I I kind of, I kind of like it if it's like hats or matzo ball soup or something you can relate to. And I do think that 
Amy Schumer's like like say what you will about like her com like the content of her comedy. She's very funny. She has great delivery. I think she has a great presence, like great comedic timing. I think she was value add to like all of her sketches. I think she was just like very enjoyable to watch, like from monologue to basically every sketch she was in. Other than that, like network TV one, I guess, where she's a bit that sketch is forgettable and she's maybe forgettable in it. But outside of that one, like I think she had like a very strong presence, good energy. I don't know. It could also be honestly like I watched it five times for this podcast, so maybe it's like a Look recency. <laughs> well, like maybe not five, but like a bit of a recency bias uh, as well. Yeah, that's fair. I do think that like so this episode to me, the highs were very high, and the lows were very low. And I think that's a right. really hard episode to evaluate, especially like in the hot take show. Like I always make everybody give the ratings at a 10 and like we sort of break things down. Like that's why I think if you were to listen to the round table this week, you would have heard me like talking about sketches I really liked. And you would think like I'm extremely high on this episode, which like, it, like I said, it was okay. I don't think it was that bad, but I think there was some like really, really good stuff here. And then there was some stuff that really didn't work. And to me, that's actually a fascinating episode to get to talk about compared to something like the Miles Teller episode, which I think was probably just more like across the board, like average. So I, I, I yeah, I think this was like almost like the season has been peaks and valleys. I feel like this episode was the most peaks and valleys episode that I've seen of the season so far. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. There were plenty of sketches that were just fine enough. Like pretty good. Yeah. Well, do you have a favorite of yours from this episode? Yeah. I mean, so I try, I always enter an episode like hoping that a sketch is going to be my favorite just because I know it's much harder to pull off, but I'd say the, like the watcher sketch was like pretty incredible to me. So good. The watcher or looker. Yeah. Watcher. Yeah. Um, yeah the looker, uh, looker was the SNL. The watcher was the actual Netflix show. Okay. So the looker and then like the COVID one as well, the COVID pre-tape. Those are probably my two favorite. Okay. All right. And and I think a lot of people like those. What about the Looker one did you really like? So I think you guys covered this on one of the shows this week. And maybe somebody was complaining about it. I actually thought it, like, it added a lot. Like the fact that like on top of like it would have fallen flat after like 30 seconds if it was just like, oh, he's spying. Like the Looker is spying on whatever Amy's up to. But then like that layer of her kind of like trying to cover it up. I think is actually like pretty brilliant. I okay. thought it added a lot to that sketch. I, I, I could have watched actually like two more minutes of it, whereas sometimes I feel like on SNL, I could have, I'm always looking for like 45 seconds less of like of, of a bit. Yes. Yeah, I see that. And then, well, so yeah, we did talk a lot about the looker on Monday and then, but we actually didn't talk a lot about the COVID pre-tape, which I thought was good. There was like a lot of hubbub online, you know, to yeah. pull SNL fandom about like, should they be doing this? But like, I mean, they're not like, you know, it's like they're not saying like, go get COVID. They're just saying that people are actually thinking maybe they should get COVID sometimes. I feel like no matter what you do, you're going to get an opinion. I think it was pretty tasteful, all things considered. I, I, you know, I mean, everyone's allowed to have a voice. Everyone does have a voice online. So, you know. But I thought yeah, we're not, it was, I thought in, it was we're not invalidating funny. your opinion if you think that this sketch didn't didn't work for you. But I think like I, yeah. I think to your point, Fred. Sometimes like the the most interesting and well thought out sketches are ones that people are thinking and not saying, and they're yeah. putting it on like they're putting pen to paper on it. So for us, it's like okay, we know you're all thinking about this, but let's put it out there and see how it goes. And that that to me is fun. 
And I wonder what the demographic is like, right, of the people complaining, because I think it's maybe a younger crowd that actually would relate to that than an older crowd about like the idea of like, oh, like what are like the perks of like having COVID and sleeping like on the best part of the couch or what have you like, right? Like, I mean, I don't think it's something my parents would find entirely funny, but but I think something like you and I might relate to a bit better. Yeah, I guess that, that's interesting. I mean, I think like it depends like what you're like how what how far is too far for you when it comes to this stuff like no one's mm -hmm. like i don't think snl is necessarily making light of the fact that like all these people died of covid but like yeah i think they're what they're saying is is like now that it is like somewhat considered by people to be more like the flu and less dangerous than it originally was then people are now starting to turn their heads and being like maybe i can get it and i think like that is probably a funny concept yeah, I think so. Like that's exactly what basically what Longfellow's character says, right? Like I'm triple vaxxed. I've even got H, uh, the H HPV vax. Like right, like yeah. He's basically saying it's less of a risk, maybe, to some people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that that one was good. That was good. Okay. Well, you want to get into today's uh, get into some of the questions that we got from the listeners this week? Let's do it. Okay, so if you want to send in your questions for these shows and you hear some awesome questions and you're like, hey, I have something to ask. Well, we put up the question forms every week on Twitter and in our Instagram stories on the day before the patron feedback show. So that would be on the Wednesday. You can always send in those questions. As long as they're not ridiculous, I will answer your questions. So <laughs> send them on in. All right, Fred, let's get into it. Let's take our first question of the week, and that will be from our friend Jeremy, who wants to know, I'm not saying that Amy's episode was bad, but I was on such a high from all of the cameos last week and how much fun the Jack Harlow episode was with the return of Bobby and Tom. Do you feel like episodes that follow big memorable moments turn out to be letdowns? Interesting perspective there from Jeremy. What do you think, Fred? The short answer is no. I actually would, I mean, I love a good cameo. But for example, like the I love John Ham, but I don't think like the John Ham cameo like added a whole lot in the premiere. I think last week Moynihan and Tom Hanks were incredible. I think Moynihan's bit was actually like my favorite part of the season. So I think like if it's done right, it can add a lot of value, but I wouldn't want it to be something you can you just bank on. I mean, we saw with a lot of like the political sketches over the last few years, or like a few years ago, how much it was like cameo heavy. And if anything, those were kind of duds. Um, it hogged a lot of screen time from cast members. So it's not something I necessarily look for. Like I'd rather something that's like thoughtful, consistent, smart, funny, than just like throwing cameos around. I There wasn't a part of me during the sketch where I thought like, oh, where is like XYZ? I also don't know who Amy Schumer's like cronies are, like who would swing by, like who's her Colin Farrell, but- uh, Like Kim Kardashian maybe? Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so she sure. did help write Kim's monologue the uh, previous season. So right. that would be it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. But, you know, th this is a really interesting question because I like I almost had to be like a little introspective and be like, huh, I get you, Jeremy, because it, it reminds me of like when you're watching a football game in a way where you can like watch the game and just like mindlessly enjoy the sport and be like, OK, you know, throwing touchdowns like people are having, you know, hitting each other, like whatever it is. Or you could like watch it and try and like dissect the strategy of the coaches and it could be we could apply this to any game or any sport. But basically, like there's different ways to watch a sport. And I find that there's also different ways to watch SNL. You could like simply just sit there and just like enjoy what's being presented to you. And I think in that case, 
cameos like are really, really great and add to a really fun episode. And I think like probably when I was a little bit younger, the episodes that had like a ton of cameos and that were like really fun in the way that the Jack Harlow episode was to me, like those were some of my most memorable favorite episodes. And I would remember getting to the next episode with like random host X. And then like, I'd be like waiting to see who was going to show up there and nobody would. And like, as a kid, I think I'd be more disappointed, but I think as like, and this is not to take away from anything, uh, the way that you watch the episode, Jeremy, but at least for me for now, I sort of like try and watch every episode of SNL in isolation and not necessarily be like, Oh, but last week was so fun. Like, I wish they would do this. Like, it's like, okay, this is Amy Schumer's week now what are they going to do for the Amy Schumer episode as opposed to being like, huh, like, okay, last something really uh, clicked last week that wasn't, you know, from the uh, cast itself. Can they repeat that? So I, I don't know. I think cameos are fun. I think they really work well on Halloween, on Christmas, on in the finale. And then, you yeah. know, every now and then when they can surprise you, but it doesn't have to be every week. I agree. I don't think we need like cameo fatigue. I think that happened like during some of the, like the Trump era and a lot of people complained and I, I, I was on board with that. So when it's fewer, it's more special for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Especially like, you know, cameos that we haven't seen in a long time. Like Bobby is, uh, that was great. Okay. Next question comes in from Kylie. Kylie wants to know Heidi Gardner has quickly become her favorite cast member of the season. She is fantastic in every sketch she is in and is in so much of every episode. How come, and this is Kylie asking, how come I don't hear people talking about her as being the next star of the show? Interesting. So according to Kylie, from the way that she watches Saturday Night Live, she's seeing this, you know, meteoric rise or the star making turn for Heidi Gardner. But she believes that a lot of people are not watching the show and seeing that. So Fred, what's your perspective on it? Yeah, so I'm surprised, like she's, I, at least like I'm surprised that, um, Kylie doesn't view Heidi as a star because I, I feel like she is a star. Like, I think she's one of like the top people on the show. I think she's like what, like I think on the podcast, we call it the utility player. I think she's in lost sketches. I think she's always very good. I view her as a bit of a star. I guess it depends on like what your definition of a star is. Like is Pete Davidson a star because of his like persona outside of the show? Or are you like, well, I, I guess like, what makes somebody a star like who else is more of a star than heidi gardner on the show like is it bowen because of like is it bowen for example like or like chloe because i feel like outside of the show also they're kind of pretty popular but i mean within the show like i think heidi gardner's doing a great job i think people respect her a lot it seems like people like in this community also love heidi and i i'd, I'd struggle to think of like who's a bigger star than her maybe other than like, like, like a Bowen. Yeah, it's, it's, you're totally right. Like it's better to define what a star is in order to be able to properly answer this question. I think that I would say that there's not stars necessarily. I mean, like everybody is a, like a, you know, to get on SNL is impressive, but I'm saying there's no stars right. in the traditional sense. I think that there's anchors probably for this cast. And I think the two anchors to me this season are clearly Keenan and Cecily, just, you know, veteran status, but like, you know, whenever you have a sketch, if you're sitting down with the writers on Tuesday nights and you're like, okay, how do I make my sketch go and get, you know, get through the table? I'm probably going to have to write a role for Cecily or write a role for Keenan because, you know, that's the, to me the shoe in to like, you know, pass. So I think they are the anchors of the show saying all of that. I mean, if I'm just looking at the appearances so far this season, Heidi Gardner has been in 24 sketches. Keenan Thompson's been in 25 sketches. Okay, Cecily's been in 14 sketches through two episodes. So if I do 
the quick math on that, that would mean that Cecily would be, I, I think she'd be over 30 sketches, but <laughs> she'd be, she'd be like 35. Yeah. Yeah. 35 sketches. Yeah. So she'd be dominating by far, but as far as like Keenan, like, like if I said to you, Keenan and Heidi have been in the same amount of sketches this season, would you know that? Like, I don't know, but, but it feels like she's been everywhere. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd say so. I guess she hasn't had as many like crazy outlandish characters as she did maybe a few years ago, like, uh, like on like the weekend update desk and stuff. And maybe that's why, like, I think you guys were talking about like the other night, like power rankings versus like the perception, I think it was last night actually. Um, that maybe that's sometimes not the best thing. Maybe you want to be like the louder character, like a Sarah Sherman. But at least like me, like before I read that question, like I, I viewed Heidi as a star. For sure. I think she is a star, but I would say like, I think that if you really look into it, I think she's the third strongest cast member this season. And I think okay. you can make an argument for higher than that, given the fact that Cecily hasn't been there for the whole season and Keenan has been in about the same stuff. I think she's really carrying a lot of the show. Now I would say like the only difference to me, like she's putting up the stats to be the star of the show. Now, the only thing that's missing to me is like, she needs to me some type of character that's going to break through the just general SNL watchers. So like she needs something that's going to be like, Oh, I need to go show this to my friends. I think last night in the, by the number show, um, Mike, Nicole and Eric were talking about the top 10 YouTube videos from SNL this season. And a lot of them were like Kanye, this, or like they talk about Trump with this because people like want to see, you know, politics and what people are talking about. But like right. one of the sketches that was in that top 10 list was the classroom sketch from the Megan the stallion episode. And they were speculating like, why was that? Cause it was just called classroom. I think the reason was because, as they said, is that the sketch was just like really good and Ego put up like an excellent performance and people were just like wanted to show their friends this sketch. Yeah, I think Heidi needs that. Heidi needs that like a role in a sketch that people are just gonna start sending around and being like, OK, yeah, yeah, I know Heidi like she's amazing on the show. Yeah, no, I agree. And first of all, that classroom sketch was incredible. So, yeah, it should, it should be passed around. But she, yeah, it's interesting. Like, and like I know we've you've spoken about this on the show before. Like she she used to have those breakout characters. And then, like, she kind of, like, I, I guess maybe it was always on the update desk. So, like, the potential's there. So, I agree. Like, once something like that is written and it really explodes, then um, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I'm, like, fascinated with Heidi's trajectory as a cast member. And I'm very curious, like, what's going to happen. Because I have to assume she's going to be around at least, like, two or three more years. And if that's the case, like... We've seen like the beginning of Heidi's career was like very update focused. The middle of Heidi's career is extremely utility player. And then the back end of Heidi's career, I cannot wait to see is, does it remain in the utility roles? Does it, does she go back to update? Does she start having these characters again? Like to me, she's a fascinating career that like, I can't wait to look back on one day. Yeah, totally. Okay. Let's take this next question from Ken. Ken would like to know, I've seen a number of fans this season upset by pieces like Try Guys, COVID, Tailgate, etc., claiming that these sketches are mean and desperate, etc. I'd say this type of piece is nothing new for SNL, but do you think they are genuinely trying to pivot back to an edgier, for lack of a better term, direction? Or is this just a natural consequence when more openly audience-friendly performers are gone or are likely in their last years in the cast? and our more boisterous and aggressive performers are starting to take the stage. All right. So Ken is really trying to find out here. Fred is like, what do you think? Is SNL trying to be a little bit more edgy this season? I mean, I may not be the person to ask. I didn't find either of those really edgy until other people told me they were very edgy. 
like I, I was kind of with with a lot of people with that. Like the Try Guys sketch was maybe like misinterpreted. Like they were going for like a different angle with that. Like I understand what people are saying about COVID, but the people in those sketch and like t I guess Tailgate, I just don't see. And I maybe I have to like think this through a bit more. But like, if these like who who are these audience friendly performers and are they not in these sketches? You know, in the tailgate, we had like Cecily, right? So she might be like one of those like audience friendly performers in their last years in the cast. Um, in Try Guys, I mean, Brendan Gleeson's not exactly young. Um, so I think there was like a, a decent mix. I mean, definitely like with the transition, the cast is a bit younger than it was last year. But I haven't seen a core or I haven't thought of a correlation that anything like this is deliberate or intentional. I think that tailgate sketch could have happened in any year. Jets fans being rowdy, any anyone being rowdy at a at a sports game. So I yeah. don't I think this is just a natural consequence. I think I wonder like what sketches were controversial last year and like maybe it's just not coming to our minds right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean like I think that that I don't. I, I wouldn't attribute SNL being edgier to the fact that like people like Kate and Adi are no longer at the show. I think that I would just say that with new performers, they're always willing to try different things, and I think that a natural, you know, point in that is is to expand, you know, the limits, test the limits of what these performers can do. And I think that a lot of writers they come in from the perspective of like edgier comedy in general and SNL like often tends to like neuter their ability to you know perform edgier comedy and I think that the flexibility to be edgier is something that tends to happen to me at least on seasons where there's a lot of turnover because then they try new things so I would probably say that like there is something to the fact that cast members are gone I wouldn't necessarily attribute it to like which specific cast members have left or which new cast members are here right. but I think when you bring in like a ton of new writers over the last year and then you know, a, you know, a few new cast members, a lot are gone. Like, I just think there's like so much turnover there and they're just like trying to figure out like what really works. There's a lot of experimental, you know, things that are going to happen in the first half of season 48 until they kind of like get, you know, the momentum of what this next generation of the show will start to look like. So I think when you have something like that, you're going to get pieces that are potentially edgier or might offend some people because they want to just try stuff and see what works. Yeah. I mean, that that totally makes sense. And I do think like the turnover, especially with uh, the writers hired last year, um, I'm sure it's playing a role into all this for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's take this next question from Ryan. Ryan wants to know, how would you say Che and Jost have been doing this season? To me, they've been even better than last year. That's interesting. I, I find Fred that I the cast members we have talked about the least this season on the podcast have probably been Che and Jost, but I think that's a good thing because I don't think they've done anything that's been particularly bad or like I haven't had an episode where people are like, oh yeah, uh, Jost and Che didn't bring it tonight. Like I, they've been good. Yeah, I until they asked that question, like again, it didn't cross my mind. I think they've been good. None, it's, they've they have they certainly haven't been bad. I mean, actually, like Colin probably had my favorite line of the episode with like the. Uh, like the child left at home, like, like, like a loser or like, what a loser. Like that was probably my favorite joke actually of the night. So I think they're still doing their thing. Like they're always consistent. I don't know if this is true, but that does update just seem shorter so far this season. Is that, is that possible? Like that it feels That's a, a bit Mike shorter. Murray question. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, but oh, it I was feels, talking about that. It yeah. feels shorter. Maybe there's less like like characters coming to the desk, but something about it feels a bit tighter. Maybe that that's why. But honestly, I think they've just been doing a great job like they always basically do. I think they're probably still involved a little bit in this aspect of the show, but stepping down as head writers, I think is the best thing that could happen there. Like, obviously, you know, they've been doing this for so long. They feel like, you know, they needed to transition to maybe taking some of the workload off and feeling like they could focus on update and, you know, fresh, you know, have fresh minds going to this season, which who knows if it's the last or they're heading towards the end of their time at the show. And I just think like, yeah, I was I was genuinely very nervous about having them back at the show this year because I just really, like I said, I wanted new era vibes and I felt like there were holdovers from potentially this old era and had update changed this season. Like it's like, oh, wow, we're really heading towards a new show. So that didn't happen. And then I watched the episode and I was like, you know what? They're still bringing it. And like, I can't I can't be mad at it. Like, I can't be mad that they've been good this season. Yeah. So you're saying like you went into this season hoping that they were maybe not returning for like a true like new blood, new uh, vibe. And then you're pleasantly surprised that like they're still bringing it. Yeah, like I think, well, I I think I've said this on the podcast before, like when they first started on update, like I I think they would even admit this, like, I don't think they were good. (laughs) They were not good together. And it took a while. And I was like, and I'm a big Seth guy. And then like, it really took a while for them to like hit it with each other. And then they got really good. And I think they also like, you know, the only people that benefited from this crazy election, you know, cycle that we had the last, you know, eight years, have been like Joe and Shay, who just have had tremendous material to work with. And yeah. yeah, they just like, were hitting on all cylinders and like, maybe it got a little tiring at some points, but yeah, I guess going into the season, I was just like, Hey, there's so many changes. Wouldn't it be nice if, the show just looked like completely like new and give us like fun new things to talk about and stuff like that. But I, I would say like, I was wrong. Like I don't, I don't hate it as much as I thought I would. Yeah. And that also would have been like, it, there's already been so much turnover, which I'm, I'm all for change. That would have been even more jarring. Right. Can you imagine a season without like Keenan, Cecily, I'm, I'm adding to it. And then like Che, Jost, like that's, that's a lot at once. Um, it would definitely sure. have been surprising. Yeah. Yeah. In another world, something like that happened and we're, you know, everybody is like not as hard on the show because they're just going to give them more time to figure it out. And I think people are probably more hard on the show in season 48 because they still have these holdovers that are there. So it's like you're comparing everything you're seeing to the last five years as opposed to looking at season 48 as its own show. So it's it's an interesting thought experiment and i wonder like if in season 49 we do sort of lose these like last few holdovers in the previous era if like the general audience would be willing to give some leniency to the show trying to like figure out what works for this era yeah that's interesting yeah i, I hadn't thought about it that way yeah. no okay question from our friend ike ike wants to know uh ike says i'm not the biggest amy fan but she always does well on saturday night live in my opinion she would have been a solid cast member interesting what era of the show could you see her be a part of the 2000s or the 2010s? So this is a great question for you, Fred, because you said you started watching SNL in the 2000s and that was your original era. And then you got back into it in the 2010s. Yeah, honestly, like, I don't know if it's a recency bias of some sort, but when I first read that, I thought like maybe she would have like kind of been parallel to Bobby Moynihan in a way, maybe like, which I mean, from what I remember, right, he kind of straddled like the Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader days, and then like kind of with like Vanessa there and like what, like 
when did he kind of end? Like 2016? Like just as uh, a kind of... I think he finished in May of 2017. Okay, even later. Yeah. So I think like maybe that would have been kind of her sweet spot. Like, I don't know if it would have been like from start to finish. Like, I, it would be hard to imagine her with like Tina Fey, I think. Like, right. Yeah. Or like I I don't I don't know I don't know why I think it would have had to have been like kind of like this crowd that I'm I'm talking about but it's it's really a hard question to answer I mean like certainly not like with like Adam Sandler I mean maybe but like, I guess it, you just have to imagine I guess use your imagination. Yeah, I just think that like Amy has like a really strong personality and she definitely like sucks up the screen when she's there right. so. I could see her like in an era where I felt like maybe she would be like best served would be in the early 2010s, I would think, where okay. maybe like as Kristen was sort of like finishing her run and then we were heading towards like, you know, where we had like some of the women of the cast were like, you know, Kate would join and then we also had Vanessa and um, Nassim and, you know, Abby Elliott and like stuff like that. Like, I feel like there was like a point there where she could have come in and like really like done well for herself on the show. Also, she's like more like that age, I think. Like, I think she sort of like, you know, became um, became a star like somewhere between, you know, like 2010 and, and on. So I, I think like that would be probably a better fit for her with me. Like, I can't same as you, Fred, I can't really picture her in like the early 2000s with Maya and Dratch and Polar and Tina. Like right. it doesn't, I don't know that she has the same like comedic sensibility as though as them, though I think she could pull it off because she's an extremely talented performer, but I think she would have been better served in the early 2010s. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Maybe I had some of like the days, uh, years off and everything, but yeah, like to your point also, like I'm sure she could have done it. Also like comedy on the show has changed a bit. So I'm sure... If that's how things were then, maybe she would have fit in then. But I, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, as far as like extreme sexual humor is concerned, would be I could see that in the early two thousands. So, right. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, uh, it's a very fun question to think about, Ike. Okay. Let's. Uh, so we got we got some Chappelle questions. Bear with us. We're gonna we're gonna try and take you through them the best that we possibly can. Okay. This is a question from our friend Aflo Brown on Instagram. Wanted to know, can you explain? Can you please explain the Chappelle outrage? I think I missed something. All right, so let me just say that I think that the panel did a really good job of this on Monday at the end of the show, where I was on with Dave and Haynes and Rebecca, especially who was able to explain the background of this much better than I could or did. So I would encourage you that if you really want to know more, go back and check that out. But just for anyone who's sort of like catching up and it's like, okay, we're heading into Chappelle week. Like what's going on here? Well, last year in the fall of 2021, there was a Netflix special that was released where Chappelle made some jokes about the transgender community and people who are transgender. And it was extremely offensive to a lot of people, not just people who are transgender, but people people in general were very offended by these comments and to, you know, kind of get into the comments. Like I said, go back and Rebecca can explain that really well to you on Monday, but with regards to how people felt about it at the time, I think, you know, there was a little bit from my understanding of a like, Hey Dave, like maybe you're old fashioned. Maybe you don't understand this stuff. Maybe you should, you know, get educated and apologize. And I think he sort of like doubled down and was like, you know, I'm willing to talk to anybody, but like, you know, I'm going to do it on my own time. And like, nobody's going to force me to go anywhere. And he was very like Dave Chappelle about it. And I think like that also turned a lot of people off. 
And it's tough because Dave Chappelle for a very long time was like a lot of people's like comedy hero. And I think that it creates like a little bit of an awkward thing where you like, you know, want to, you don't support the comments. You want to, you know, support people who especially this is particularly afflicting, but you know, from a comedy perspective, like he's been seen as like a comedy icon and obviously has hosted SNL twice before. So it's just like, it's a, it's a very weird thing to talk about and to deal with. And obviously we're going to talk about this all week because that's what we do. But, you know, it, it's uh, I hate to feel that for a television show that is really there to like, you know, celebrate, you know, just, you know, it's your weekend. You want to have fun. You want to celebrate these like stars of tomorrow. And, you know, they're getting to meet some of the coolest people in the world and make comedy and make fun of the things that are tough in the world every single week. It's tough to think that the show would hurt people. Like, that's not what we want when we're watching the show. So, you know, that that's that's sort of like the background about that. Fred, did I say that okay? I think you said that great. And like, I guess like the only thing I'd add, or like, I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to like talk about this like a tiny bit more, but like, I think like piggybacking off what you said is like, I just don't see why they had, they booked him. I don't see like the benefit or like what, like why, like why they would want to, you know, put people in their cast and crew and like the writers in like this position. Like, I, I don't know why, like just because like there's the word election, he needs to be booked. Like, is there nobody else that could have commented on this? I, 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 I think you explained it well and I agree. Yeah, I just don't know if they see it from that perspective. I think for them, it's like, you know, like, like the booking team and everybody at SNL, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're like, you know, thinking about all the consequences of everything all the time. And I, I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to simplify it that much. But like, I also think that they're like, there are a lot of benefits on their side, too. Like, they're like, okay, you know, I, I, I would bet a ton more people are going to watch the show live on Saturday with Chappelle hosting as opposed to like next day numbers or DVR numbers or YouTube watches. Like I think that the ratio is going to be like much higher for live viewership on Saturday. And you know, that makes a big difference when you're selling advertising and you're trying to keep a 48 year old show alive. So like, who do you bring in? That's like a big boost to viewership, whether you, you know, support the decision or not. That's like a huge factor here. And I think like another huge factor here is the fact that there are people who work at SNL who, truth be told, are still very good friends with Dave Chappelle. Writers, producers, cast members, and right. to them, you know, it's like they 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 feel like they know Dave and they don't believe that Dave is this bad person. They say yeah. that Dave is a great guy. So, you know, for them, it's like, you know, we know we're we're like the kind of like the noise that's outside and they they can't listen to everything. And for them, it's like, I know Dave, I know he's a good guy type of thing. And I think that like that is a huge factor here. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question that says, uh, that comes in from Emily Ann, Mick23, wants to know, do you think we'll get a Please Don't Destroy sketch this coming week with Chappelle? So it was reported somewhere that Please Don't Destroy was skipping the week. I, I have not heard about any of that. I believe Please Don't Destroy is there. And I've also heard through the grapevine that they are doing a Please Don't Destroy sketch. I don't know if Chappelle's going to be in it, but I know that they're at least filming one for this week. So... Yeah, that's, that's my two cents on that. Fred, would you like to see a Please Don't Destroy sketch this week? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy them. I'm totally down for that. I think it really depends on, like, you know, he might have a super long monologue. And I think monologues that go longer or shorter, like, maybe it's it's tougher. I'm just trying to think from, a, like, a production standpoint. Like, 
they may not know how long it's realistically going to go. And like, it might be very like beneficial to like plug in like a two minute, please don't destroy video. Like if they're trying to like kind of budget the time, like I, again, like I don't know like the nuances of like what gets cut and what doesn't, but like a please don't destroy video could actually be kind of perfect to like just plug in, but it could also be like the easiest thing to cut at the expense of like a Chappelle sketch. So yeah, like I have to think like all the, you know, like thing, every, everything aside, again, I, I say that with like knowing that a lot of people can't put this thought to the side, but you know, everything aside, I think that please don't destroy like just, you know, coming up and like making these shorts and in comedy and stuff like that. Like, you know, before all this, they would have loved to have Dave Chappelle in a sketch with them. So it's like, you know, you know, he's there, he's there for the week and like, they're there. And it's like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in a please don't destroy sketch. Yeah. Okay, Manette wants to know any tea about the mood this week? Should any rumors of walkouts be taken seriously? So this has been like really crazy. Um, I believe page six reported that there have been like walkouts from the writers and then TMZ uh, spoke to somebody in Dave's camp and they said that there's been no walkouts. Look, all I can tell you is I'm not like mostly because I don't want to bother people. Like I'm not in constant communication with people at the show where I'm like, okay, what's happening now? What's happening now? But like anything that I did do like a quick check in on has been like the week has been fairly normal from my understanding. I think that like if there's been people who don't want to go to work and don't want to be there for this, I think they're just going to sort of like not go and it's not really going to be reported and maybe we'll find out on Saturday or Sunday or sometime next week that they weren't there. But like, I think for the most part, my understanding is like everybody's there. There's a lot of people there who are really excited to have Dave Chappelle and like it's it you know like i said it creates a tough position as a viewer of the show where it's like we're hearing all the noise about the episode but at the same time i think like everything is sort of status quo so manette i, I all all the tea that i really just heard is just like how like good friends a lot of these people are with dave and how like they seem to feel like they know dave better than what's being reported and they know that like this isn't how dave actually feels about these things i just wish he would say that if that was the case yeah, no, I mean, that that all makes sense. And yeah, I, I almost feel like it's almost not worth bothering ourselves with this. I think we'll find out afterwards. I think for the sake of the show, maybe not beforehand, like none of this will be confirmed. And the other thing is, right, like if you were to any like, you know, undergrad intern at some media company, if they were like asked to like create some sort of buzz, anyone would think of this. So like, it, it yeah. it's like the most obvious thing to spread. So until it's confirmed, I disagree with everything you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and and I think like you know, when when Trump hosted the episode, like people were you know thinking about all, all the stuff that happened there, and like I think it wasn't until like much later a lot of people found out like some behind the scenes information about that. So if like you're one of those people who like loves SNL, loves the behind the scenes of it all, I think like if there's anything that does go down that's behind the scenes and interesting, I think that it's the type of thing that we'll find out like down the road. I don't think it's something that like we're going to have an inside scoop about or like one of the publications because, you know, that's the show knew exactly, you know, what they were doing, at least internally when they booked him. They definitely like the bookers definitely checked with the producers and that, the you know, the head, I would assume the head writers they checked with. So like, I think they knew what they were doing when they booked him for the show, at least internally. So I can't imagine there's going to be a lot of surprises in the, in the building. Now, saying all that if there were i think we'd find out down the road okay question from deep scan deep scan wants to know do you think snl was trying to save any cameos for this week's Chappelle show by having no cameos for the schumer episode 
What do you think of that, Fred? I don't know if like I don't know how cameos work, but I don't know if that's how they I don't know if they like save cameos, um, like have cameos in their pocket. Like I'd assume it's kind of more host dependent. So like, you know, I think I misspoke before where I was like, I didn't really know who like Amy's cronies are, but, but like, and then some people in the chat know much better than me. Like if somebody was available and wanted to make a cameo, I'm sure they would have. I think with with Dave, it's it's much more possible. Um, but I don't know if it's as deliberate as again, like we sometimes as viewers think it is that, you know, there's like there's some sort of like bucket or allocation of cameos and they're like saving some now and like front loading others. Like I just think maybe nobody made sense for this last episode. Yeah, I think every week is in isolation. I remember reading, I think it was our friend, uh, Jesse David Fox, who's been on this podcast before. He writes for Vulture, I believe. And he wrote the history of David S. Pumpkins, you know, back in the day. And then he amended it for this second David S. Pumpkins Returns a couple of weeks ago, where he chatted with Mikey Day, Studer Seidel, and Bobby Moynihan about what it was like to recreate David S. Pumpkins. And in their chat, they talked about how the Tom Hanks cameo came to be, which was simply that Tom's wife was performing in New York and Tom just called Lauren and was like, Hey, I'm in New York. Like if you have something for me, let me know. And it's like, Oh, well it's the Halloween episode. And like, this sort of came together. So like, could he have been in town like another week and called like, and said, okay, yeah, let's put him in something. Like, I think these things are all like, you know, done in isolation, depending on who's in town for the week or like who the host maybe wants to bring in. I would be fascinated to know, like, independently of Dave Chappelle, are other celebrities like interested in cameoing in this episode? And like, are they okay with the potential like uh, media firestorm that is brewing about it and like how that entails? Like I would, I would be curious because I, I think conventional wisdom would be Fred for there to be no cameos for this episode because people don't want to touch this hot stove, but it would be interesting if people showed up. Yeah. Some people might actually want to touch it. Well, I guess we'll find out, but that's a great story. What you said with about Tom Hanks, like that's great to know. Cause like, that's kind of what I expected. Like maybe it's just, happenstance and then they like work around that yeah and a good point from our friend james and shadow said uh he imagines that chris rock might show up and that's uh yeah that that's interesting so uh that would be fun okay let's take uh our final question of the night again from our friend ike moore who wants to know in honor of the possibly controversial definitely Chappelle episode what's your favorite snl moments that got a controversial response from viewers for me, it was Chris Rock's 2014 monologue about the Boston Marathon. Do you have a favorite controversial moment, Fred? Not particularly. Like, after seeing this question, I kind of thought through it. And then it was almost like after looking back, I remembered that it was even controversial at all. Like, I thought, like, the Jesus Uncrossed um, pre-tape with, uh, like, the Django Unchained spoof. You know, again, I don't remember anything, like, too distasteful about that. But I remember like loving that. And then like hearing that, like, obviously like some people maybe didn't love it as much. I remember when I was young and like, maybe it was like VH1, they used to talk about like Sinead O'Connor ripping the Pope's picture. I can't say that that's my favorite. I just remember that like when I was young, that that was like a big deal, but not many like super controversial sketches come to mind, to be honest. I mean, unless they're controversial and like, I don't even realize, like I didn't realize like the Jesus, unchained one was until like later 
Yeah, I mean, like, not to be, like, a, a prude about controversial moments, but, like, for me, like, I would say, like, Ashley Simpson lip-syncing was, like, my controversial moment that, like, really did it for me when I was younger. Like, I yeah. thought, like, that was that was such a big deal. I remember, like, why, like, talking, like, I was, I was young, and I was talking to my friends about this, and, like, it was, like, such a big deal at the time, like, when you were, like, younger and into SNL. It's like, oh, my God, like, Ashley Simpson would lip-sync and then the wrong song, and then she did, like, that weird... I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast, that she did, like, that weird dance where she, like, ran, ran off and stuff like that. And it was, like, to me, that was, like, the most controversial thing in the world at the time. And, like, oh, I, Fred, I wish we had those controversies today. Like, those were the worst. Yeah, those are taste. Those are fun ones. That's... Those are fun yeah. controversies. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, yeah, SNL not, not over really, the, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. It's just gonna say SNL over 48 years uh, definitely has had their fair share of controversies. And, you know, we'll get through this and we'll, you know, like there'll be three more episodes in December. And I think I have no idea what to expect on Saturday night. I'm just, I'm interested just as like a fan of the show to see like what we're going to get. But like, like I said, like I would not blame you at all if you didn't tune into this episode and just decide to skip it because it's not right for you or you don't want to support it, whatever reason, uh, and you want to move on to the December episodes, that's totally fine. Like we'll be here anyways. And if you like decide you want to skip the episode and just tune into our coverage, just to like hear kind of like what happened and like what people are talking about, like that's totally fine too. So, or, or, or if you don't want to listen to our coverage, it's your choice. I just want you to enjoy the show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd agree. I think it's, it's everyone's choice. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. For sure. All right, Fred, any final comments or thoughts as we wrap up this week and head towards the next? I mean, like, I mean, I don't know what's left that hasn't been said. I mean, I'm just curious to see what's what's going to unfold. I think next week you're going to have a lot of fun coverage over this, uh, potentially. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it can go in so many different directions. Um, like, will Dave address certain things? Will he not? Will some, like, will other cast members address certain things? Like, I, I just wonder, like, what? Or are they just, is it going to just be the elephant in the room and, like, never discuss? Maybe, maybe that's for the best. Like who, I'm just curious like how they're going to handle all this. Yeah, I, I have no idea. And I am very curious as well. I will be on the Hot Take Show on Saturday with Sammy Kay and Rich Tackenberg for the first time is going to do a Hot Take Show. I've been waiting oh, wow. to get for this moment. I booked him before I knew Dave Chappelle was booked for this show. And then I was, it was hilarious. And then we're texting each other. And he was like, is this a good idea? And I was like, well... Yeah, okay. I think if there was anybody I do trust to do a hot take show with me for this episode, it is my man Rich, who's been podcasting about Saturday Night Live for like, I don't know, what is it, 15 years, Rich? I don't know. But, you know, for me, I'm, I'm happy to have Rich and Sammy uh, with me on Saturday, and we'll, we'll talk through everything. And then uh, Saturday will be more like, let's go through the sketches, let's see how they are. And then Monday on the roundtable, we'll be back and we'll talk through you know, the decision to book Dave Chappelle, we'll really dive into that as long as we possibly have to. And then, you know, with the, you know, hindsight of now seeing the episode and then go through our best moments of the night, whether they're Chappelle related or not. And then we'll look forward to December and sort of, you know, go through the week that one last time. And it'll be fun to do that. So we got uh, Haskell, TJ and Kirsten on Monday for the roundtable. So that'll be a great time. All right, Fred, uh, anything you want to plug? Not really, not particularly, but, uh, Super glad to be here. Um, yeah, I guess you did, you did great. For your first podcast, yeah. I mean, you are yeah. like, you're a pro. So I, I oh, really yeah, enjoyed getting great. to talk to yeah, you. Yeah. I hope you'll come back and podcast with us again. Yeah, yeah it'll be fun to rewatch this afterwards and be like, oh, God. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a blast. Um, okay. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't beat yourself up. You did a great job. So I, I can't wait to talk to you again. And of course, appreciate your support and all the support of the patrons here at the Saturday Night Network. If you would like to podcast with us or, uh, you know, get to talk and join our community, we have a great Discord going on. We post uh, sometimes some patron-only podcast uh, with Nicole, where we're talking about behind the scenes at the Saturday Night Network. You can join us at patreon.com slash the SNL Network. And to find everything we're doing on social media, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, find us at the SNL Network. You can find me at John Schneider 24 Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All right, for Fred and everybody in the chat on this Thursday evening, my name is John Schneider from the Saturday Night Network. We will see you on Saturday. Buckle up, everybody. Have a good one.